So we're wrapping up our series on Frontline Sundays and we're looking at the idea of together we grow. To use the language of the people we're taking this resource from, we can think of ourselves as red dots. And it's very easy to think of church being just a gathered thing. Um, we're the red dots because if you take the population as a whole, and you say, who, who considers themselves a committed Christian who attends church at least once a month, then it's roughly 6%, so six dots out of 100, and you can think, well, we have some impact on the grey dots around us, um, but actually, the picture on the right-hand side is more what is going on for most of us for most of the week, where we're the same number of red dots, but we have lots of front lines, and we have lots of connection with people throughout the week, and more connection with grey dots and more potential to influence people for good for the kingdom that's a message that we've given lots of times before but here's the reality of it it can feel pretty scary out there on our own without a red dot around us or not so many it can feel more confident when we're together you see and so one of the things that can happen is we can kind of lose our redness if you like if we're red dots what is it that helps us to stay red in that sense? I'm not making a political point here, but what is it that makes us to stay red in that sense? And if we're thinking about that, then there's an obvious verse to go to in Hebrews about let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you, do the, as you see the day approaching. I always think when we read that verse about not giving up the habit of meeting together, it's like when a teacher tells people off for, um, for those who've bunked off that day and the teacher's telling everybody off, and, but they're telling the people off who are there or telling the people off who are late, but they're not there yet. It's like we're telling everybody to attend regularly, and you're the people who are attending here. But there might be something in this for all of us. The letter to the Hebrews is written by an unknown author, but was written to address some fundamental misunderstandings about the Christian faith, largely, overwhelmingly, in the letter to the Hebrews from the Jewish people. The author was wanting to correct their understanding of who Jesus was and their heritage, you see. And he wanted them to understand that Jesus completes their heritage. He fulfills Israel's history. He fulfills the law. He fulfills the ceremonial rituals they've been doing. He completes the priesthood, you see. He wants them to get all of those things. So the point of Hebrews is to iron out to correct some misunderstandings. Now, our misunderstandings aren't necessarily the same but one of them could be to do with how important it is that we meet together in this kind of a way so let's have a look at the reading before we progress much further and it says this therefore brothers and sisters since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus I'm reading from verse 19 by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great high priest over the house of God let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The Bible has lots to say about our relationships 
as the people of God. And there are so many passages to choose from, but this is a classic. If you like, want a passage to go to about the importance of us meeting together, then this is the passage, in a way, to go to. And as we said, and rightly started with communion, you see the verses I picked up from. It starts with God, not with us. It starts with the good news of Jesus Christ. And that then leads us on to all the things that follow. So when we're talking about meeting together, it's not about a rule so much as a response and a response that helps us in that gathered and scattered balance. When we gather together, what is it we're doing? Lots of things, I guess. But some of the things we're doing are we're encouraging one another, we're reminding one another, and we're equipping one another. I also think we're helping with that confidence gap thing. It says we have confidence to enter the most holy place, and then that confidence spills out, hopefully, to wherever you're going to be in this coming week. So we gather to encourage, we gather to remind one another about the full story of the gospel, one of the reasons we take communion, and as a consequence, to equip one another. So what we do is, in a way, we cast the vision here for the whole of our lives. We cast the vision for being confident as missionary disciples, not just the missionaries on the board over at the back of the church. And in a way, when we do other things together, we're kind of practicing being disciples so that we are better at it when we do it in our different front lines wherever we find ourselves. So what we're trying to do is to help one another to hold on to this faith against a whole bunch of other messages that are out there, to draw near and to recognise And remember what God has done. All that is in this reading, as well as the idea of spurring one another on towards good works. It's a strong word, that. It's kind of an awkward, uncomfortable, prod one another on towards good works type word. Provoke one another to to doing good works. Not necessarily here, practice them here, but to good works wherever we find ourselves. In a way... What this passage is saying, I think, is that there is power in the pattern of meeting together. There's power in the pattern. If we get more and more familiar with this pattern of meeting, and it's about equipping us for the rest of our lives, there is power in that. That's recognising that if we don't do that, we can grow cold. It's recognising that if we don't do that, we can grow weary. And this isn't a new thing, of course, because in the passage it says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So already by the time the Bible's written, some people are missing out on this. And some people are forgetting the idea of meeting together. In emphasising our front lines, which we do so often here, I don't want to go to the other extreme of underplaying our gathered time. It's vital. It's a thin place where hopefully... As we gather, we sense the presence of God. We pray for that. We're equipped for him, by him, and, and for him, to serve him wherever we see ourselves. If all of that sounds obvious, I have to say that I've had a number of conversations over the years, repeated conversations with different people, for whom this isn't obvious, who've kind of taken other lines. And, and they've grown up in church like you have, and yet somewhere they've picked up a message that it's not about 
this pattern of meeting together, the power of, of meeting, and they've picked up something else. And so I just want to air some of those with you in case those thoughts are out there. When I first joined an adult home group, I was still about the age of some of these guys here, um, but uh, we didn't have kind of a youth option in our church, so I joined an adult home group. There was an older lady who must now long since be with the Lord, but I was, it was my first time in a, in a home group, and her explanation, I could name her, but it wouldn't mean anything to you, it was in London, but her, her view was in life that, that she didn't need other people. She didn't need other people in church. She had the Bible, and she had Jesus, and that's all she needed. Now, I found that very confusing as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old. I'm thinking, so why are you in a home group then, was my primary thought while she was saying this to us week in, week out. But I also said, I tried my stumbling best at this as a teenager, tried to say to her, well, if, you, if you, what you hold on to is the Bible, then, then the Bible points so clearly to us being together in this, us growing together in this. So to say you hold on to the Bible and you don't need anybody else isn't consistent with the Bible's teaching. Jesus could have done what he did on his own, but he chose not to. He chose to do it um, with others. He could have sent people out on their own, but he chose not to. He chose to send them out with others. Paul's letters are full of other names because wherever he goes, he uses other people. So I tried my best to say that to her, but I also said the reverse side of the coin to her, which is, what if we need you? What if we need you? You know, your contributions here are, are good and helpful. They're helping us to grow. And then they're helping us to serve. So in both ways, we need each other. So if, hopefully that view isn't yours. But I had a conversation here with somebody not so very long ago who's been away for a season. I asked them if they're going to a church where, where they are. They said, no, no, they haven't really found a church. But that doesn't matter, they said. And their argument was they've had lots of input already. So they've grown up here, they've done uh, Sunday school here, they've done discipleship groups here. So the fact that they're not going to a church now, it doesn't matter because they've got this backlog of Christian teaching that should stand them in good stead wherever they're going. Well, that's not what I read. I, th I read that we need this pattern of meeting. There is power in the pattern. We equip one another. And if we don't, then we grow cold and we grow weary. I've also met lots of people who have lost the pattern, but for whatever reason, find their way back on a given Sunday. And I've had lots of conversations with those people saying something along the lines of, it's great to see you back. It's really easy, isn't it, to lose, lose the pattern. And part of our discipline sometimes is just to be in this pattern and to keep going, that we meet together, and that equips us for what, for, for what we do, so, so, so you're back, so, so don't lose the pattern. And, and they say, no, 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 we won't. And too many of those people have not found the pattern again. Honestly, they've, they've found the pattern once to come back and, and not enough. The instruction here is that we meet together regularly and that equips us wherever we go, which means that we often use the analogy of a half-time team talk for what I'm doing now. That's what a sermon is, we think. Like the first half may have gone badly and it may have gone well, 
but it's like a half-time team talk in a game with two halves, like rugby or football or hockey. And what we're doing is we're encouraging, we're resourcing, we're equipping, we're giving some tactics to get back out there in the game. And those of us who have the privilege of standing here, we are player managers in that analogy. We should have our own stories and analogies too. Which all goes to say, I think as well, that that's all very well, but we don't get to see the game. So we're giving this half-time team talk, we're equipping one another out, and we might all be playing the game or not. Sometimes we don't know. So sometimes what we need to do when we gather together in this way, I think, is to have those chats about what our front line is, to find out how we could pray for one another, to resource one another, and to just make it a little bit more personal about the game that we're playing in our front lines in a variety of situations. And just for an example, Andy's going to help us uh, by interviewing somebody about their front line now. Thanks, Andy. Right, Rachel's going to... Many of you will recognise or know Rachel, regular part of our evening delegation. Uh, for those that don't know Rachel, tell us about your front line. Where are you in the week? Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm Rachel, and um, as part of my front line, I'm an ESOL teacher at Highbury College of Further Education in Portsmouth. And um, so ESOL is uh, English to speakers of other languages. Um, most of my students are refugees uh, from Bangladesh, from Sudan, from um, Iraq, uh, Eritrea, um, all sorts of places like that. I think in my current class, there's 12 nationalities. So, Great. I've kind of been um, journeying with you the last few months on an exciting new thing, stepping out on faith in an era. Just tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing and kind of where the inspiration came from. Yeah, well, the inspiration came from here and um, it was two outside speakers. So... Um, Lisa, is it from Open Doors? Um, And uh, Chris from Pioneers. And um, I don't know if it was Chris or Lisa had a map of um, the world and they were speaking about unreached people groups. Um, And as I was looking at the countries in red, I could name two or three people from most of those countries. And... um, yeah, so the college, and alongside this, uh, the college has been in financial difficulties. Uh, so the premises, our beautiful building was sold, and um, we moved to the city centre in Portsmouth. And the building is opposite Oasis Church. And um, so, as Chris was speaking, he, he said in Plymouth that um, he'd started a conversation group, and I thought, what a fantastic idea. And um, when we moved building, we lost our cafe, we lost our library. um, And so all the teachers were feeling a bit sorry for ourselves. And I noticed they were painting the church opposite. And I thought, how fantastic, an organization that's got a bit of money. And then it just clicked and I thought, it is literally across the road if um, we could make a connection with the church, it would be fantastic. And so um, I contacted the pastor and um, uh, Steve Potter uh, just to see if he'd be interested in um, in us in the college um, using uh, their facility. 
um, for a conversation club. And he said yes, he was really up for that. Um, and I thought, okay, I need some volunteers. Uh, so I asked Jacob Munns, who um, at the time was the CU president. And um, I've had an email today, actually, from the UCCF oh, guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Sarah Price is here, but he told me to get in touch with Sarah Price. Um, and um, he was saying that um, Friends International um, are thinking of setting up a cafe with a conversation club in Portsmouth and I was like wow that's that's great so um, anyway it's been um, so for the last couple of weeks uh, I have been um, making flyers going around classrooms um, some colleagues have been quite skeptical I'm treading a bit of a fine line about not using my position as a platform to promote my beliefs um, because you're doing the actual conversation because I'm actually I'm doing it in my own time yeah. I'm doing it a Thursday morning which is not paid working time um, so one teacher this week as I came into his class said oh I was hoping to avoid promoting that and I said well it's conversation um, and it's actually meeting the practical needs of our students our students um, really want to practice um, speaking English uh, so um, yeah so that conversation with him was quite interesting because he's just started in ESOL I've been doing it for years so I'm sort of mentoring him a bit and I, I just saw him look at me in a different way and it was quite upsetting because he respected me and my experience and then suddenly he was quite cynical and um, it's been okay, actually. Uh, I just think he had to make that mental shift. Um, so, and, and yeah. teacher who wanted to take his whole class, didn't you? So, and then, <laughs> yes, my colleague, <laughs> who um, is Muslim in name only, she was raised in Turkey. Uh, on Thursday morning, I was walking up the stairs and I'd made the announcement last Thursday. We started this Thursday. And she'd remembered and she said, as I was going up the stairs, can I bring my whole class over? And um, these are beginners. And in fact, it was me that said, I don't, it's something for students to do in their free time. Um, I don't want you to get into trouble by bringing the whole class over. Um, anyway, on Friday morning at the church, they have um, like a coffee morning that anybody can go to. And um, so I told her to bring the students there. So it's sort of, um, I've just had a, yeah, I, I think that um, if Oasis Church can be church for that community, it would be great. And Ben came on Thursday, which was fantastic because I was worried I wasn't going to have any volunteers. And um, when I went around the classes, uh, lots of students were nodding and saying, oh, great, great. When in fact, only one person turned up on Thursday. Um, and uh, yeah, she, but in that time that we spent with her, so it's Hakima and she's, um, she's from Afghanistan. She was wearing a headscarf, she was a Muslim. And I thought for her to walk into a church on her own was fantastic. And um, she actually invited the pastor to the ESOL party. And I thought, well, that's the student that's invited yeah. the local pastor into our building. So, um, yeah. Great. It's, yeah. it's so encouraging to hear. Yeah. Uh, we were singing a song yesterday, some of us lead us together, and it talked about the Holy Spirit, not just guiding us, but cheering us on. Yeah. And um, we want to we pray that. Yeah. Pray that for you. Um, sorry. And just out, out of interest, we're talking about halftime team talks. Anyone remember when Lisa was here? 
Well, I remember when Chris was here, anyone here for those halftime mm. team talks. It's great to see that that's encouraged you. Yeah. Um, we'll pray for you in a minute. Any, any, yeah. any other ways that we can kind of be, any other people want to get involved at all in supporting any Yeah, else? yeah. Um, so, as I say, I was thinking there'd be about 20 that came on uh, Thursday, and there was only one, and I was, oh. And there was me, there was Ben, there was the pastor, Stephen, and Jilly, his administrator. Uh, so, um yeah, I think we're, let's let's see how it goes. But if anybody's interested, it is in Portsmouth. It's Thursday morning, ten forty-five to eleven forty-five. Um, and if anybody is interested um, in sitting for an hour and talking with a really interesting bunch of people that would love to speak with English speakers, then please, um, yeah, come and talk to me about it. Great. Let's just grab a moment and, and pray pray for you and this now. <laughs> And um, Lord, we thank you that Rachel's taken the step of faith and kind of put her reputation on the line a little mm. bit. And we want to thank you that your Holy Spirit is with her, cheering her on. And so are we, her church family mm. as well. And we pray this week that uh, not only that student, but other students will come along. And we pray that these conversation groups uh, would show some of these students that they're loved, they're valued, and that conversation would turn to you and to subjects of faith. And that through that, some of these students might come to know you. Mm. We thank you for Rachel. We honour what she's doing and we pray you'd encourage her. Give her a good second session this week, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Brilliant. Really, really encouraging. One element of that, it, it, it could be that you hear that and think, well, that's just nothing like me. I'm not, no, nowhere near that example. So that isn't my story. My story is nothing like that. But there are bits of it that would be common to lots of us in our front lines, that bit where other, some other colleague finds out that you have this faith and, and then they look at you a bit differently. Lots of you would know that on, on your front line. Uh, less so me, because my colleagues are in church and we work together and we're Christians, but you would know that. Um, and, but I see that on my leisure front lines when after you know, nine hours of golf, you tell somebody that you're a Christian and, and that, all of a sudden they're viewing you differently. Um, so we can connect with that in different ways and that you, you go for something and one person turns up and then you have to prayerfully reassess what, what is going on. We could, rec we could recognise those things. Um, so just w one other example, a general example perhaps, but one I think might apply to a number of us. I've been giving some thought again recently to when it's not a workplace, but when family is your front line. It just feels a bit different then. When it's your your grandchildren, your children, when it's your husband or wife, when it's your parents. Um, it's, it's hard to kind of fathom how it's different, but it is different. It, it, some of the things still apply. It still applies. Lots of the teaching that we've given in this series, it's still very relevant. It still absolutely applies to do good work, to be a mouthpiece for truth and justice, to be a mouthpiece for the gospel, and all of those things. But when you've got a long-rooted, established kind of thing where you've just got an agree-to-disagree position, when it's been going on for years, it's hard to have faith and hope for the next bit. It's hard to kind of know what to pray. And I just would say a couple of things about that. I'd say sometimes it's just good to borrow the prayers of other people. You can question me on the theology of that. But honestly, if you are asking your friend to pray for you and they pray for you, then sometimes it's just easier to say, Lord, answer Mark's prayers because he's praying for me. Um, sometimes that's just easier. And sometimes it's, e it's easy as well to just have, have some handles on what to pray for. I've written something that I'm going to post on the website to do with my year because I was asked this 
um, my year as president of the denomination because I was asked this recently uh, in another church. My husband is my front line. What can I pray, this person said. And I, was, I knew I'd written something here a little while ago. I've just tidied it up a little bit, but I offer it to you here as well for some things that we could pray for our children, for our other halves, um, for parents, um, brothers and sisters, and so on. Um, each of these has a verse and something we could pray with it, which I'll post on <coughs> wheredowegrowfromhere.org. Um, and if you uh, go to the web link of this sermon, I'll put a link uh, to it before we upload it. So we can pray goads, you see. We can pray that it's in the same way that Paul, um, before he was converted, when he was Saul, he was still being goaded by God. We can pray that our frontline family people are still being prompted in ways that we don't yet see. We can pray second chances in the same way that we all know that uh, our sins can be forgiven and forgotten, that they will know, these people that we're thinking about, that, they, that a second chance is always needed and available. We can pray for someone to be in their path in the same way that Andrew points Simon to Jesus. We can pray that they will encounter people who will point them to Jesus. We can pray wisdom for the right words and for no words, in the same way that James talks about being quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. May we find the wisdom to find the right words and the times to choose to be silent. We can pray for soft hearts, because it's often hard-heartedness that stops people turning to God. So we can pray for our family that in the same way that the Lord has softened hearts as he points to in Ezekiel, that he will do that for our loved ones. We can pray for renewed hope when we've lost hope in the same way that God gives hope and points to it and promises it in Isaiah 40. We can pray that they will come to their senses like in the story of the prodigal son and how he comes to his senses and realises the gaps and emptiness in his life without turning back to the Father. We can pray for direct God-given insight um, uh, over and above what we say and what anybody else says so in the same way that Peter has God-given insight when he knows who Jesus is when Jesus asks who do you say that I am and, and Jesus says that's been given to you not by humans but by my Father in heaven we can pray that he will watch over them in the way that the Psalms Psalm 121 for example points to God watching over them even though they don't yet turn to him that he will watch over and guard them watch over their coming and going and we can pray that he, we can cast our cares on him in the same way that David invites us to in Psalm 55 um, we can appeal to God for the things that worry us including our loved ones um, and right now we can cast our cares on them I realize that's a long list to remember hence why I'm posting it I want to seal the deal in this series in a particular way. I'm going to ask the stewards to help us. If we are these red dots um, out and about, gathered and scattered, then I want to give you a red dot. Can you help us with that now, wherever you've got them, stewards? Um, so we're going to give you one of these glass beads, each as quickly as we can. Go for it. Don't be polite. Just distribute them. And um, then perhaps we can use them as a prompt to remember who we are when we're scattered as well as when we're gathered, but particularly when we're scattered. What my hope is, is that we can put this somewhere where it will be discreetly on our front line. 
So it can be on your desk at work when you're teaching ESOL. It can be like in your, in your wallet, or if you still have a wallet and you're not all just you know, contactless payment these days. It can be um, uh, in a bag somewhere where, you, where you're going to remember it. Or you can drop it on the floor and lose it straight away. <laughs> Any of those things are options. Um, it, put it somewhere where... And also maybe put it somewhere where you can actually... You can be tactile with it. You can feel it. Um, and in that sense, you might be able to pray something related to just kind of holding it. You know, if it's a stone, I know it's a glass thing, but it's, it's a stone. Those uh, stones all sea glass, they're, they're, they're softened by ongoing contact. They're shaped um, by ongoing contact in a way, aren't they? If you look at stones on the beach, they've been affected um, and softened by um, ongoing contact by the waves and by the sea. So when we've got them, how, how close are we are to, to everybody having one or not at this stage? One stage less close than we were a second ago. Are we, have we still got some left? Are we, we've run out. Oh, wow. How many do you have left, Pam? Pam, have you got some left or not? Okay. Okay. Okay, we've got some short. I think our, some of our team will give some away. Um, who needs one? Some at the back there. Okay. This is good because we've got more people than we were expecting. But I don't want to give people a get out. Like, oh, God clearly isn't calling me to my front line. I didn't get a pebble. Other people were being commissioned. I got no pebble. That was a message. Please don't take that as your thought on this. Imagine a pebble and I will buy you one. Um, we can ask, can't we, for God to shape us for our front line. We can place this somewhere and we can ask that he will shape us in our neighbourhood, with our family, in our schools. And we can look at it and we can ask that we stay red in the sense that we don't go grey or even slightly less red. We go on making a Christ-like difference. And in order to pray that through, I want us to uh, say some words together of kind of commissioning of one another. You've told other people what your front line is. Um, committing one another back, sending one another back out to our front line. So if you're up for that, I'm going to ask the band to come and join us. I'm both encouraged and a little bit you know, thrown by the, the fact that we've got more people than we've got beads for. That's good. And we need to remember that for next time. <clears throat> so picture your front line. And if you're willing to, would you stand with me? So I'm going to invite us to say these words together. There'll be some words that come up as well in italics that I'll say. And then there's a response for you. This is as prayerful and as meaningful and as powerful as we choose to invest genuine prayer in it rather than just reciting some words. Liturgy isn't particularly our thing, but God can use it if we kind of invest our best efforts in praying this through. So say with me, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of this community. 
we commend one another to you on our different front lines. Wherever we are, whatever we do, whoever we are, may the Holy Spirit guide us in all things so that we may do God's will in the world in the service of Jesus Christ and with great joy. Amen. Now I'm going to say the italics. As followers of Jesus Christ, will you embrace your front lines as places of possibility and potential in the purpose of God? Will you believe that God is already at work in these places? And will you give yourselves unreservedly to his purposes in you and through you, wherever you are? With the help of God, we will. Will you trust God with the big things and the small things that you do day by day and seek to make all that you do on your front lines a part of your worship of him? Will you learn to rely on him, his power, his love and his grace, whatever you do? With the help of God, we will. As sons and daughters of your heavenly Father, will you believe that your value, your worth, your significance, your life on the front line flow first from this identity? Will you embrace the joy and freedom of being a child of God, whoever you are? With the help of God, we will. As the body of Christ, will you commit to encouraging and helping one another flourish in Christ and be fruitful on your front lines? Will you learn to be the people of God, gathered and scattered, helping one another to make a difference in the world? With the help of God, we will. Okay, let's say this. This is supposed to be my line, but let's say it to each other. We affirm your call to follow Christ in all of life, including life on your front line. We commission you to this life and work and pledge to you our prayers, encouragement and support. May the Holy Spirit guide you and strengthen you that in this and in all things you will know Christ and seek to make him known to the glory of God the Father. We rejoice in being followers of Jesus, sent from this church into God's world for his purpose. May the blessing of God go with you. Together we grow, everyone.